As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the trio of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheel and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps and Things flapping their wings on. Birds with friends. Birds All I know is that that he has a game where Shield don't read both seven thousand. <laughs> and I said, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do and, it. And so the yeah, purpose that's of what oh, I really oh, what I needed oh, was oh, not oh, to get oh, at least oh, one oh, more oh, reader. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Wednesday evening. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Shilkapadia, Marissa Morris. Here to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. We've got a lot to get to. We'll get the bird on the street. We'll get the squall 22. But before we do all of that, everybody wants to know, Dr. Kapadia, how you doing? Uh, I need to air some grievances uh, from the postgame pod. Uh, you know, I was going to ask, do you want me to wait Ooh, for straight to it? Wait for later. But uh, I feel like getting it out of the way now. Now, I will ask Zach. Zach, is that okay with you? Because there were multiple people who watched our Friday YouTube video, uh, one including my wife, who said, "Is Zach okay? He really doesn't seem to be enjoying the uh, the YouTube video, uh, <laughs> the the YouTube portion of this." So, so Zach, I do want to defer to you. Is it okay if I air some of my grievances uh, first here? Absolutely. Why did she say that though? I don't. Well, there were people on Twitter too. They said, "Like, look at is he? He looks like miserable doing this." So I, I don't know. I think I think you were doing maybe some. You had some like work related messaging. You were maybe doing. Okay. And maybe, oh yeah. The the past. Well. Yeah. Every Friday, I either have a story that I file, or yeah. uh, last Friday, I had a story that just went in, and so I was getting messages from from Pete during it. Yeah, I'd... the irony here is that is that he was not, you know, having a hard time on Friday. He was probably enjoying himself, but now he's going to struggle because he's going to be w- worried that he looks like. <laughs> yeah. Well, Seriously. she was, you know, she was worried about people were worried. So I don't know. It, uh, yeah, I thought it was fine. I didn't. And she actually was like, well, you know, I could see having to deal with you and Bo, you know, why <laughs> mm-hmm. that's how I would be. But anyway, I enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I know, that's right. All right. So I need to rip Bo uh, for the postgame yeah, pod. I mean. 
Zach, I don't know how you got through that pod. I really feel like we missed a chance to go viral with you blowing up because, <laughs> I mean, the number of times Bo would just interrupt you during this podcast was crazy. I know we all do it from time to time. We try to apologize, but Bo, I mean, you would ask Zach a question, he would start answering it, and then you would cut him off, and you would give your answer to the question. There was one point where Zach said, you took the words right out of my mouth, which was like, you know, literally, I'm not literally, I guess, but like you asked him the question, and then you answered it. I mean, what was going on there? Well, listen, the post-game pod is really just like both of us digesting what happened in real time, if that's that's my process, I'm sorry. I apologize to Zach for interrupting. No but, need to yeah, apologize. Like this is not the for you to act surprised that I'm interrupting is it just means you haven't been paying closer no, attention no, this, to this, earlier. This this was over the top. I mean, come on, we 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 have to uh, we have to get. Although, I, go ahead. I, I, I'm sorry, I just jumped on you there. No, go for it. no, Zach. Before you go, I'm, I'm just <laughs> no, the um, the good thing about the YouTube podcast is is that you can tell when when somebody's talking and you can read facial expressions. The uh, it, post game pod is great to do in in person. Uh, I don't want to volunteer to do that on on YouTube because uh, it's always at, at night and, and we're not kind of prepared for it. And it's unfair to Marissa too uh, to ask her to come on camera at like at like one a.m. But uh, it does help seeing somebody. When you know they're they're either making a point or you can just read the expression. Mm, okay. Uh, well, I really feel. Okay, what else you got? I feel like I've really started this podcast on a very awkward. Uh, you know. Now, well, yeah. Now, now I feel like I can't talk. No. Go ahead. Zach's gonna That's be sitting first. there smiling. <laughs> 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 Zach's going to be sitting there smiling just in case video of this gets out. <laughs> Bo is just going to leave these big pauses uh, in between. All right, so those were a couple things. I, I was very proud of, of Zach for uh, totally not listening to what you said. Uh, it was like those two penalties you said, Bo. Oh, yes. Yeah, and, and Zach just made the same point right afterwards. Uh, you know, What I, penalties? I really felt like I was part you, of the— The uh, two pass interferences. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I was part of the post-game pod. You kind of channeled me there. Uh, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Oh, I thought this, you were what's kidding. The- you you made a point. You said so. I, I don't even know what it was. I think it was hey the one penalty. It was the Claypool pass interference and the Slay. And, and, yeah, and then yeah when when Claypool got the offensive one and Slay got right. the defensive one. Yeah, and and then Zach came in and made the exact same point. He's like, oh yeah, and those two penalties, the one and you and you were like, hey, I I, I just said that. Were you not? Oh, <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so yes. so I thought that was good. Uh, I wanted more on uh, the Jalen hurts Jalen hurts face when he came on off the sideline. Mm. I thought this was very interesting. I mean, he goes in, he throws the pass, he completes it. He comes to the sideline. Doug Peterson walks by him. Hurt says something, it looked like. Peterson says something back. And then Hurts like, looked at someone else and like pointed right. at Peterson. I mean, was Hurt? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this is all speculation. but I Well, th- it's total speculation, which is, I think, maybe why we didn't go too into it. But the other, the other problem is I think there, there is a, a, a dynamic where Jalen Hurts has what – um, I think some people would describe as uh, resting bee face, generally speaking. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't you think that's true? Like, that's his general disposition look. He, 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 he I thought his look was uh, get a load of this guy, like what Peterson just said. <laughs> like, I, I was thinking, well, in my mind, I was We've pic- all been there. In my mind, I was picturing Hurt said, like, get me back out there. Let's run it again. And Peterson said, like, I'll handle the play calling. Thanks, or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Again, just complete speculation but i did think uh that that was kind of interesting uh i liked at the end how 
you were guessing the Raven, the line for the Ravens game. And Zach, what did you say? You thought it was what it what it was? Seven you, or like, so. Or, well, you no, you no. guessed like five and a half okay, or something and like half. that. Yes. And what did yeah. Bo guess? And Zach, yeah, Zach was closer. Yeah, this was the thing. I mean, Zach guesses five and a half, and Bo, you crushed him. You're like five and a half. Yeah, because I'm nuts? crushing Vegas. I think that's an insane line. <laughs> and then Bo guesses, and Zach was actually closer than Bo was. So I thought that was, uh, you know, you could have fired back there, uh, Zach. I thought so. Uh, By that point, it was like an hour twenty into yeah, the pod, you were, and I, you, yeah. you were done with it. Yeah. Um, so, okay, those were my notes. I mean, I had a couple other totally off-topic things I want to get to. If you want me to just flush them out now, I can, or we can yeah, let's go through end. your notes. Let's burn okay. Let's burn it all now. Yeah, I mean, really, what else are we going to talk about? Casey Tuhill? Uh, well, you know that I've got a lot <laughs> yeah. to say about Casey well, Tuhill. I, I don't want to start with, start no. with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a, a trailer put out by The Athletic. Have you guys uh, seen or heard this with the podcast? Yes, yeah. the Apple podcast trailer. Yeah, how about, Correct. did you like the placement of, of Birds with Friends in there? I didn't see it. I'm oh. staying out of this one. Oh, okay, I'm not. <laughs> so, I mean, really. I mean, Bo, when did we first record our first mm. Birds with Friends? 2017. Were there any other podcasts on the on the Athletic Podcast Network at that time? Mm. You know, maybe a couple yeah. here and there. And so, the, you know, the, this is a shout out to the listeners. Uh, clearly, not valued uh, at all by the company. Th- this podcast. So, if you don't <laughs> rate, that's not true. Listen, <laughs> Marissa, don't worry. We know you. We know you fought. You had nothing to do with it you fought you fought <laughs> okay for us. i'm gonna I'm not... <laughs> say that it's national shows listed well, on that page well listen, so, you know, that's uh, let's not let's not talk down to our listeners they've got let's true let's we say do that have our a listeners audience. are a national audience this is how you know shield has 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 clout that budapest company, by the way uh, budapest. i wouldn't dare bring that up <laughs> well that's <laughs> well, true yeah. no well really this this is we, well listen we have a national writer on the show that is true this is, you know, some podcasts like popped up like a week ago and they're getting, you know, prime <laughs> billing. I mean, God, we've been doing this for three years and nothing. So I just want to say to the listeners, uh, there's no guarantee that this podcast survives. Uh, That's lasts, not true. Lasts a long time. <laughs> you know, if the reviews don't start pouring in, if you're not unsubscribing, resubscribing, if you're not rating, if you're not sending it to your friends, if you're not listening multiple times, uh, there could just be a day where it uh, where it disappears. Appears. I mean, I took that uh, as a very strong hint. So I just wanted to put the call out there uh, to the listeners and continue my begging for more of that uh, that type of feedback. Okay. Yeah. Zach's really not. Okay. Don't Zach, worry, guys. We're not going. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> well, well, we'll see about that. Uh, and then, you know, the last thing I was thinking is, uh, Zach, I want to get you back in here on this yes. because I, I feel <laughs> like Zach walked away. Well, yeah, Zach. No, no, I'm here. I, I'm just, I'm not saying anything bad about the company. I, I, I feel like, you know, you are somebody who like the, you know, young uh, sports journos reach out to, right? But you would agree with that, right? Zach probably, I don't know. I think he probably gets yeah. more emails than you or I do about uh, the business and breaking in and best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably right. I do get a fair amount of those, yes. Okay, nice flex. Uh, no, that's not a so, flex. I, mean, I, I get a fair amount You know, amount of I, I'm looking at my own habits here, and uh, you know, I've just been thinking of like the time I waste looking at other people's tweets. Is mm. it's? I really feel like I need to make a life change here, you know, because uh, Zach, you've talked about how you feel like you're not getting enough sleep. There's not enough hours in the day. And I think, you know, a lot of people have that feeling. You're trying to balance the family stuff with the work stuff, you know, maybe some health stuff, get some exercise in. And, uh, you know, there are those days where I call it the 0 for 2 days. There's certainly the 0 for 3 days. 
And then like you look, it's, you know, you're getting ready for bed and you're thinking like, how much time did I waste today just scrolling through this timeline of nonsense? Now, there is a work benefit to it. Mm -hmm. I think certainly you need to tweet out your uh, own stuff. I like doing that. I like tweeting out other stuff that I've read. I like interacting with readers and listeners, but I feel like that's a small fraction of it. Like the big percentage is just reading, you know, random times throughout the day, going on my phone or opening it up on my computer and just scrolling rolling through and wasting time. So uh, how should I, how do I need to be using this as a work thing? And like, can I, should I be cutting out a lot of this? Like I want to give it, give it a week where all I do is tweet out stuff I read and interact with people in my mentions, but no other stuff. Will I be left behind in the, uh, in the NFL Eagles conversation if I do that, or is there a way around it? Bill? He he's, he brought you in. He brought me. You're okay, yeah. So although Bo, so, I do, I am going to need yeah. to call on you know. You so like everyone has field, has so. has a different way of looking at this. I I am on Twitter quite a bit, as as my wife could tell you. Uh, but I I do I I like to to read it uh, to be informed to kind of know the conversation, know what's going on, and I I like to use it to share our stories and kind of Eagles nuggets and Eagles news, obviously. Uh, what I don't do is get involved in like the Twitter echo chamber. You know, mm. if if there's uh, some uh, some tweet that someone's like quote tweet this with X, you oh, know, yeah. I, I oh, don't yeah. necessarily on, get no, involved. No one would. Uh, yeah, no one's doing that. Yeah, name your fourth favorite eagle. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you should. Do, I, can you tweet that out right <laughs> now? <laughs> so 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 that part of it, and then <laughs> quote quote tweet this with a middle name. <laughs> so, so that part of it, I, I don't necessarily go down. I I use it to be informed and to inform, but I I don't use it for. Oh, the that's con- a bit of a whiff. For the no, that's that's literally <laughs> like I, I try to be informed from it, and then I use that as a form to inform Eagles fans. Mm, and yeah, that's not our, what I use it for. Our readers, but uh, I I don't use it to be involved in conversations that that like I I feel are are uh, unproductive or I just think that. Uh, there's a lot more people who've lost jobs because of something they've tweeted than have gotten jobs because of something they've tweeted. Well, you know, yeah, I'm not even worried about that part of it. I mean, I've made it this far without saying something that would get me fired. Not that, you know, not that it couldn't happen at any time. And I I am in on sharing uh, content and Mm -hmm. I am in on interacting with people. But it's the other, you know, it's sort of like the, what you said, the way we consume news. You know, there are different ways to, or, or it's not even news. I don't even know what it is. Uh, but I feel like I'm wasting my time reading a lot of the things that are not really adding uh, to anything for me. And so I feel like I, if I cut that out, that would cut out a nice chunk of time that I could spend uh, doing something else. Bo, Marissa, what is it? Mar- the, the Philip Merrill, is that, is that what's the school of... Uh, yeah, see, look, I nailed that Merrill College of Journalism. There you go. So, so, so uh, I would like your input here, too. This is really what everyone tuned in for, Mm -hmm. by the way. We haven't even talked about the Eagles. Listen, sometimes I got to hijack a podcast. (laughs) Well, you know, we've got about 40 minutes of Two Hill stuff coming. So, Um, Uh, I actually got graded on tweets in college. Really? Really? Yes. That we were given like a bunch of stories. By who? Mr. Belvedere? (laughs) <laughs> we had to we had to come up with 140 characters how to capture the audience spell everything correctly put the hyperlink in and that was like a test i actually had to take hmm. in college yeah that's interesting okay mm-hmm. that shows my well, age right like <laughs> like I, I i don't think people had had uh, twitter accounts when i was in college 
Yeah, but I bet they had an insomnia cookies in Maryland somewhere. <laughs> yes, they do. In College Park. They do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't like. I don't think this is a um, like a brave thing for you to say, Sheila. Yeah, I think I'm everybody on on Twitter is like, better. I want to get off here. Um, it's like it's an addiction. I wish mm. I could get I could get off more. An addiction. Wow. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I think like, that is kind of true. Like when you're when you're stuck writing a story and you don't have a next line, what do you do? You open it up. When you're uh, when you're waiting for somebody, when you're uh, you know just have downtime with your phone in your hand, you, yeah, you log course. on and you read read this stuff. And I uh, I mean a lot of it is when I'm at, at my computer. That's what's you know if I just cut that part out, I feel like I would have a lot more time to do other stuff. Yeah, I mean, like w- the benefits of the benefits of Twitter are, um, I can I can tweet out a story. Uh, someone can tweet something funny that I'll laugh at and just be sitting there giggling to myself, and everybody in the room is looking at me like a moron. Um, I can there sometimes are links to other good stories that I can read, and you know maybe like a maybe like a prime time football game, like people tweeting about watching the same game can be an okay experience. That's about it. What what are the downsides? Um, a lot of a lot of uh, dumb and mean people uh, l- learning more about the uh, hell that we're all descending into, oh, descending into, <laughs> and also a waste of time. Like so, yeah. The 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 pluses and minuses. That scale is pretty pretty heavily weighing for the negative. I okay. was thinking today, Doug um, at practice today was was like mimicking over to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as 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 I was uh, typing on, on my phone, he likes to do this. Yes. And yeah, and I I, I said I, I am I'm writing about your safety and your uh, your your safety and your cornerback. I, I think it was. Uh, and then he 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 kind of nodded his head, okay. Um, but uh, I was thinking if if I didn't share at that moment that Marcus Epps isn't practicing. Uh, like is, is am I being negligent or <laughs> no? Well, to be could fair, I wait I mean, until I get to my car? Like for for an anti Twitter thing, like that is one of the benefits of our job. Yeah, that's fine. To, I think that. Right. I yeah, I know. I think you should be 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 doing uh, that part of it. My part is less about, um, and we can end this here. But mine's less about you know, should I be tweeted? Like I I, I think as a reporter as a writer you know you should uh tweet stuff my thing is the consumption consumption part um mm-hmm. is the sure. uh more wasteful because you know I, I i listen to podcasts that have news i listen to podcasts that have football talk i uh you know have some uh, newsletters i read stuff on the athletic and so i feel like i probably wouldn't be missing out that much if i shed the uh consumption of the 280 character tweets when I don't need to, so I'll give that a shot for a week, and then I'll uh, report back. Report back. I'm sure everyone will be really waiting to see uh, how my life is affected. All right, let's move on to the next important topic. Who is the tallest person, biggest person you've ever met in your life? Zach. <laughs> I mean, for me, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've covered like seven foot basketball players before. Mm. Big um, flex. So no, that's uh, <laughs> like I, I went to the, I, I went to school with someone who was six eleven. So, mm. um, Hakeem Warwick. No, <laughs> he was like six nine, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, yeah. high school. Uh, but yeah, and, and, oh, I mean, and, big uh, flex. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I would say some of those those NBA players that I have interviewed, but but often they're sitting down when you interview them. 
Mm. Yeah, um, what do you mean by meet? Meet is like uh, shook hands and said what my name is kind of thing? I think I think it's like who when you when you came across this person you were like, "Oh my god, that is a big person." Oh, well that's a different question. That's not who's the tallest person. Yeah, tall is different than big. Well, like Clifton Gaither's uh in 2013. That yeah. was that was a that was a big dude. Long lever, strong lever. I yeah. thought King Dunlap when I first Dun- started mm. covering the league and went out there. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's a uh, a monster." But I guess the tallest person I've been around I can't remember if that one time I got to be ball boy for the Sixers if Manute Bull was oh, on the team. Oh, what a flex uh, that the, is. Uh, on the on the team or not. I, I don't think he was. We needed more we needed more about this. When was this? How old were you? Uh, I, I can't believe you've never told this story. 9, 10, 11. I went to a, uh, a Sixers camp at uh, Springfield uh, High School. I think it was. Might have been Springfield Middle School, whatever, in Delaware County. And I think... I can't remember if I won a contest and and got it or if it was random and wow. I just got selected but I got to go to a Sixers Hawks game as a uh, as a ball boy. I remember I wore my dream team uh, t-shirt there and uh you're in the locker room and it's just really weird, you know? It's all these uh, it's it's like what our our jobs were uh, as recently as a year ago, but right. imagine being a kid and having that <laughs> having that experience. And this was a terrible team. I mean, Orlando Woolridge was their best team. Uh, Orlando Woolridge and Dana Barros. You haven't even hit puberty yet. Uh, those were the players <laughs> on this team. Uh, I sat under the basket with the ball boys, and so they were mopping it up. Um, you know, in in between, I was rebounding. I remember uh, John Concac. Uh, mm. was not looking and I got a rebound and I threw it to him and I just nailed him and he kind of <laughs> he looked at me like he was going to throw me out of the spectrum <laughs> and so that was like my lasting uh, lasting uh, memory of that yeah mm. it, was, it was awesome and it was at that moment that Concac's career ended basically yeah. he decided he was the first one on your list yeah Concac Adam Keefe I forget who else was so Manute Bowl was on that team as was Sean Bradley so you had a seven seven wow. and a seven oh, wait, six. Wait, wait, how how do you know that? How, how are you? Orla- I know what because year it was. I'm, I'm I'm looking it up right here. Orlando Woldridge was only on the Sixers for one year. Ninety three. Oh really? 94. Yeah, he spent one season with the team, and that was the ninety three ninety four season. And Manute Bowl and Sean Bradley. Wait, Manute Bowl and Sean Bradley were on the team at the same time. <laughs> now, it's amazing. I, yeah, no, I wonder like, if they were I, injured. I don't, if, I don't if, if remember. There was a mid-season act, uh, a mid-season trade or anything, but okay. But uh, 93-94 was Woldridge's only season. There or I'm go. sorry, so Woldridge's only 11. season on the team. Okay, well that makes right. it clear. All right, good stuff. All I right. think the biggest person I remember meeting when I was a kid was uh, was Dave Winfield. Mm. I remember me uh, shaking his hand and being like, "That is a that is an enormous dude." I mean, you know, King Dunlap is taller than him certainly, but that was my that was my childhood. Biggest guy I'd ever seen. Shield. Now I I know why Bo brought this up. When Bo tells you why he brought this up, you're gonna say that is why you brought this up. Like, okay. well, no, because somebody tweeted at us <laughs> because I tweeted that uh, Jack Driscoll has a picture with Yao Ming, which is I love pictures of big people with Yao Ming. Yao making them look small. That's why he brought and then it someone up? tweeted to ask for the podcast who's the tallest person you ever met oh. on top of the po- on the beginning of the podcast before we've <laughs> even spoken about the injuries before oh we please even- we just we just spent eight minutes talking about Twitter <laughs> ah, listen leave it in <laughs> Marissa's all right be rolling her eyes right now uh, should we trust get to me the bird Marissa on the sh- Marissa is not like let's get to the Casey Two Hill segment <laughs> <all right? laughs> oh, really? Marissa what's your who's your tallest person or biggest person. Uh, probably a Maryland basketball player. 
Mm. Um, I'm looking Alex at the- Alex Lynn, right? I'm, you were at the Alex Lynn era. Yes. And um, I had a class next door to him in the basement of the math building, and he used to have to duck his head. So I would always be like, oh, wow, he's really tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm looking at this picture of Driscoll and Yao Ming right now, and Driscoll looks like so tiny. He looks like a regular person. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So I- uh, I, 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 I did a story one time um, for the Sporting News on uh, okay. Terrence. Just Ooh. an unbelievable whip. On, on, uh, <laughs> it was on Terrence Roberts, who was a basketball player at Syracuse. It was a day in the life of Terrence Roberts. And so basically I, I met him at his first class, and I spent the entire day with him, and I had to document what the day was. And it was for a feature they were doing on the day in the life of, of different college athletes. And I, I remember – we were leaving. It was it was a, uh, a a geology class, and we're walking through the quad. All right, and and so I had probably taken this walk hundreds of times in my college life, and no one had ever turned their heads. Okay, uh, like I, I wish more women would probably turned their heads when I was walking. Oh, but, but no, okay. that was a joke. BWF but, after dark. <laughs> no, no, that was a joke. But um, but but this time, like as we're walking. Uh, I, I see people looking at us, and um, and I remember asking Terrence, like, like, what's it like having having everyone in the quad look at you when you, you know? I, I thought this was this great question, and it it occurred to me that they probably weren't looking at him; they were probably wondering who, like, this this little guy is walking with him, you know? Because it it was just the the sight of like <laughs> six nine and then me, like like King Dunlap and Darren Sproles yeah, going to yeah. the mall, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's, I like that was a good story. All right. Sporting news. Okay. Um, should we get to the uh, the Casey Tuhill rant, or should we do the other newsy updates first? I'd let's say we do the to, other news updates yeah, first. Let's, <laughs> all right. Let's send it over to the <laughs> Stone we'll Cold Newsman. And then we'll just end the podcast. <laughs> uh, man so. on the street, uh, standing out front of Xfinity Live. We go now to Zach Berman. So the big injury to monitor this week is that of Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson has an ankle injury, as we've discussed multiple times this season. Uh, when we spoke last, we were discussing how last week he had six cc's of fluid drained from a cyst in his ankle, and he had hoped that would fix it, and that hasn't fixed it. Uh, he underwent a second opinion on Monday. This doesn't seem to be the type of second opinion that's going to keep him out for the season or anything like that. He's day-to-day, or as Doug Peterson said, the day-to-day realm. But he did not practice today. They're, they're going to see how he is uh, this this week. But that's obviously an important one to monitor. The Eagles had a lot of guys who did not practice today. Sean Bradley and Jamon Brown and Hassan Ridgeway were all out with illnesses. Fletcher Cox was out for a personal reason. Marcus Epps, as we mentioned before, he was out with a rib injury. Duke Riley was out with a rib injury. Uh uh, and then Kayvon Wallace out with a neck injury. Also, Darius Slay, uh, we like talked about this in our beat back be and forth. eligible for IR, but go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Darius Slay has a concussion, and so he's in the league-mandated concussion protocol. That's kind of out of the Eagles' hands. Whenever he's cleared, he can return. Uh, limited at practice. This is what, what people really care about, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. So we'll see how they're progressing uh, Doug Peterson has expressed optimism before, so this is one of those things where we need to see it to believe it. Avante but we did Ma- see Alshon in pads. This was yes. the first time he's been in pads all year long. Exactly. So that was a sign of progress there. Avante Maddox, ankle injury, limited. Uh, that's a sign of progress for Avante. So that's definitely one to monitor because 
Obviously, uh, he's a starting cornerback. And then Will Parks, uh, on Tuesday, the Eagles started his 21-day window to return from from IR. Uh, So if uh, Doug Peterson said today he's healthy and ready to go, they'll see how he progresses at at practice. But that seems like a, uh, a candidate to be activated to the active roster this week. You think any other podcast mentioned two different Sean Bradleys today? Hmm. I doubt it. That's a good point. Maybe maybe that'll uh, get us on the trailer there. Uh, you know, I think the I think the Lane Johnson one is very interesting to me. Not for the obvious reasons of you know he's one of their best players and you want him at right tackle, but. I feel like Matt Pryor is by far their weakest link on the offensive line right now, and I feel like goodbye, Jack Driscoll. It's a, a little weak, weakest link. I I did. I understood, and okay. uh, my reaction was my reaction. Uh, Jack Driscoll. I feel like you would want to get a shot there to play right guard. Like if Lane Johnson were healthy and you're like, all right, he's our right tackle for the whole season. Then I feel like you really could have something with Driscoll there at right guard, because there are so many times this year where there's a negative play or a bad play. And Matt Pryor's name is getting written down uh, in my notes. Uh, You know, I think we talked about it before. I think he's just limited athletically. And uh, I think he's, uh, he's having a hard time there. So, um, if I don't know if Lane Johnson is going to reach a point at any point this season where he you feel like all right he's going to be out there he's fine he's not going to come out of the game but if he does then you really I feel like could move Driscoll and at least give him a shot at right guard. Sorry, I got a loud uh, washing machine going down here in the basement. Uh, I think that's right, and it's also interesting because uh, this is like it sounds like the the opinions have been he needs a little bit of rest, which is what we've been saying for a while. Um, like, why don't you give him a couple weeks off and see how it feels? So uh, apparently the doctors feel the same way. And I also don't think it's it's limited to just Driscoll, although he's certainly the best option in replacing Pryor potentially. Like, you know, let's see what Opeta's got. Obviously I'm in that camp, but you've also got Jamon Brown here. I think we've probably now it's been, what, three games of Pryor at red guard? I think we've probably seen enough, right? I agree. I think so. Yeah, I would give somebody else a shot. All right. Uh, Well, the other transaction, Zach, that the Eagles made yesterday was the release of Casey Tuhill, their seventh-round pick. And there are two open spots on the roster. Uh, Presumably, one of those spots will go to Brett Toth, of course, who we spent so long. I I believe that happened today. Oh, that already happened? Yes. Okay, so that takes care of one of the open spots. And then, uh, because they also released Graylin Arnold. And then presumably either Vinnie Curry getting promoted from his uh, IR window or Will Parks, the same. And uh, Tuhill got claimed by the Washington football team. And I, you know, I wrote a thing this morning before he had been claimed that I, that I thought that this move drove me insane. And I will, you know, please read that um, if you want to get angry as well. But a lot this, of people it, have it, this. It drives me nuts because uh, they have gotten sort of everything wrong here. And it is it is an indication that they are they are delusional enough to think that this is still a good team and this is still their window and they are not recognizing what's in front of them. They are not learning from the lessons that we've we've seen over these first five weeks. You know, you you put Jason Peters at left tackle blocking Jordan Mailata, and then all of a sudden he gets hurt and Mailata plays and guess what? He looks great. Travis Fulgham comes out of nowhere. He looks great. Play these young guys. See what they have. And the the two hill thing, it's like, 
it's like they got the order of operations wrong because if you think if you're misreading it and thinking he's going to get through waivers, then they then he shouldn't have made the team. Mm-hmm. He was good enough in training camp to earn a spot on the 53 over Sharif Miller, a fourth round pick, and over Joe Osman, who's you know not great. And believe me, you know I am not saying that Casey Tuhill is a is even a good player, but there's there is a like a 90 percent chance. He's never going to be a playable NFL player. That is what is most likely. But you th- you thought he was good enough to make the team. Uh, you played him in week two, played 22 snaps, did nothing. That's fine. And then you get rid of him. But by keeping him on the roster after camp, you gave the league the indication that he was worthwhile. They got to see tape on him. And so he goes on waivers. Washington claims him there at the top of the waiver. Uh, they don't need defensive line help. So that tells you how much they think of him. It's not like they just – are claiming a guy because they need a warm body. They're stacked on the defensive line. And my understanding is there were multiple teams who claimed to Hill. So, you know, you know, they have more information than we do. Maybe it's possible there's something going on behind the scenes. Maybe, you know, he's from California. Maybe there are gang ties. I don't know. But, uh, like, it's it, this, this idea that they don't understand that youth needs to be served and this is going to be a season in which they need to learn things about the young players – is ridiculous to me. It it drives me nuts. Yeah, well, Fair. we have. So we I, have a, go uh, ahead, Zach. So I I don't view it as as much like the the misguided approach to where they are as a team because someone needs to be cut to open up roster spots. I mean, okay, someone needs to be cut to open up yeah, a roster spot. So this this year they have more flexibility with roster spots than ever before. You just went through all the guys who are injured. You can't put, you know, Marcus Epps or Kayvon Wallace on three-week injured reserve to make room to bring back well, Vinny so, Curry, who you don't need. They are they have eight healthy defensive linemen right now. They don't need to cut somebody. And if you need to cut somebody, guess what? Cut Corey Clement. Okay. So, right, so, like, so, so I had an introductory clause there, and then I was going to follow that up with something else. Um, I think this speaks more to the overall, what I would say, roster mismanagement. Uh, like, it's week six. It, it, we talked about this the other night. It's week six. We don't know if Alshon Jeffrey is going to play or not. Uh, it, it would behoove you, I would think, if it, it was going to take this, this long to keep him on, on Pup. And, and maybe you don't have him for week six. But do you really need him this week as opposed to week eight or, or, or week nine? And then, yeah, you can go on down the list about these players who've had two-week injuries or a week injury. Like, I use the IR spot for them, and there is more flexibility this year. I, I don't think the Eagles have done a good enough job with that. And, uh, you know, I, I think there are players who are on other rosters right now whether it's at cornerback, whether it's at tight end, whether obviously now defensive end, that if if the Eagles uh, manage the roster differently, they could have those guys in 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 their building. You know, we have multiple uh, Slack channels at at the Athletic, and uh, <laughs> you know, I saw this morning uh, Pistol Pete when we read someone in Philadelphia writes a new story, he drops a link in there. You know, he uh, I had no idea Bo was writing this this story on. Um, Casey Tuhill, you know, I, I was ready to uh, to make some jokes about it. 
And like this, like people really cared about this. I mean, really, I was ready to make fun of you all <laughs> I think day, Bo. Uh, no, the numbers show. I mean, this story is performing. This story has 54 comments on it. There are 54 people today who took time out of their day to uh, to react to this. There are people who signed up for athletic subscriptions to read about Casey Tuhill. I mean, this is, there's been a lot of surprises in 2020, but to <laughs> me, as I told Pete, like, I don't think anything can top this. You know, I know COVID-19, there's been some other stuff, but I mean, if you would have told me this a year ago that this was going to happen, or even three weeks ago, I would have been shocked. So both, this was like a, a great, uh, you know, I feel like this is a great journalistic lesson of if you feel really passionate about something, like, don't worry about whether you think it's small, big or whatever. If if you've got a take that you think is good and informed and strong, uh, let it out there. Abs- people- absolutely. So I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here. Uh, I'm just going to read you a line from a Slack thread yesterday. So to, to set up the context here, our, our editor Pete, as as we all know, uh, sent something out or in in the day wanting to know uh, what our our content was for Wednesday and the upcoming days. Um, and we were kind of talking about some of the stuff we were working on. And then a few hours later at 9.32 p.m., Bo writes, The Casey Hill release is driving me insane, so I might write a quick thing for the morning. You sicko. 9.32 p.m., and I'm, I'm sitting there like I was, I, was, I was reading a book, and I get this. Yeah. I, my phone buzzes because I have the alert, and I – respond what is driving you insane (laughs) um and then i see that it that that uh it was performing well today and i said i say all the credit to bo because i think what shield's point is accurate if you have something you feel strongly about write it looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so I have two uh, two things about this this actual move. Uh, okay. You did explain that he's a, a seventh-round seventh pick. Seventh-round pick. Had played how many snaps this year? 22 in 22. one game. Okay, so I think there's two things. I mean, one is uh, I don't think you are – going crazy about this individual move. I think you are yes, it's, uh, you it's know. symptomatic of the, a roster and a series of decisions 
that do not seem to have a consistent pattern. Yeah, I think in the <laughs> NFL, you know, they even out a lot of things, and there are you want to search for every little edge you can, and you know, you no no sort of it's kind of the opposite of you know my life mentality, but no decision <laughs> is like too unimportant to really put thought into it and make sure you're doing the right thing. And so when you add that, you know, maybe one move nothing happens, but if you have six moves like this, uh, maybe you get burned on one of them. Maybe there's an accumulation. Maybe it's speaks to just not thinking about this stuff the right way now so i I, i'm right that that's sort of your your take on it correct yeah like the yeah the in in uh over the long run the marginal moves will make a difference and i agree with that now i I would ask this i would ask this so i i read your piece uh really i would have read nothing about this if you didn't uh (laughs) write about it Uh, luckily it was uh, short (laughs) yeah yeah that was a nice is that the shortest piece you've written for the athletic i mean well i I had a rick lovato's extension is gonna take that (laughs) i thought there was that was something else that Rick Lovato piece. <laughs> I, I thought there was something wrong with my browser. I'm like, wait, where's the rest of this? Hold on. I'm, there's already comments. Uh, but the Eagles, they make a lot of mistakes. We've crushed them for a lot of things. But like, I want you to put yourself in their shoes right now uh, because I think the way you explain it is that like they didn't have to make a decision on this right now. And we don't know that they're cho- yet that they're choosing Curry. They made this move to make room for Kurt Vinnie Curry yet do Correct. we okay so we still we don't. don't know exactly uh why they did this I mean uh who knows they could trade for uh your boy Curtis Samuel well like, you know a draft pick and that's why they made this move there could be okay uh, well, I mean you could then do that when they make that trade okay that, yeah that's true so I'm asking you to put yourself in uh Howie Roseman's shoes and uh, you know this is not something they would typically do willy-nilly and so why do you think they made this move at the time that they did well, that's why it's so confounding to me, is because when he made the roster, you were not expecting that this guy is going to be, you know, some kind of impact player. This is a this is a player who, like, his carrying traits are motor and you know good athleticism. He's a little bit undersized, but you are not expecting him to be like an impact player. And so, in him making the roster, you're thinking. This guy showed enough that we want to keep him around for the long term and watch him develop. You know, watch his body develop because he's changing positions. He was a, you know, he was a 3-4 outside linebacker in college. We're making him a 4-3 defensive end. We were investing this guy in in this guy. He's like, you know, it's a signal that that he's like a a feely contender, right? Like we want we want to invest in this guy long term. And I it, it is hard for me to understand what changed in 5 weeks. He played one game, 22 snaps, and, you know, he did nothing in those 22 snaps. Uh, He recorded no pressures, no sacks, no tackles, nothing. But it's not like he was, uh, you know, he he looked like, uh, you know, a high school player out there or whatever. And and, uh, Gennard Avery pops, all right, so maybe he's, like, further down the depth chart. But I just – I find it so confounding that, that he did enough in that one game or, you know, maybe there's something behind the scenes. Like, seriously, maybe there is some kind of thing going on where, where they didn't like his fit in the building. That, that's possible. Uh, you know, they have more information than we do. But that's what's so, so curious to me is it's, it's going back on a decision that you made thinking you were going to have the foresight to keep this guy around over, like I said, you know, Sharif Miller, who was a draft pick and who they brought back in for a workout the other day. Um, and it's also deciding that he's the last guy on the roster right now and I don't think he should be considered the you know 53rd guy on the roster or 52nd if you believe 
that he is a worthwhile prospect long term. And I also think it's a like I think they were hoping that he would get back on the practice squad. And I think it's not the first time this year that they have misread what the waiver market would be like for a player of theirs. Okay. 40, uh, 40 minutes in. We've, I feel like we've covered everything <laughs> so far uh, in well, this. Well, it's good because like we all, I think we all agree <laughs> that they have no chance to win this weekend, right? So, But I don't uh, think it matters good. this weekend. Like the the three games that come after that are going are gonna to determine whether they are contenders oh, sure. or not. Yeah. So. It is true. Well, well no, I, I, I'm actually saying that. I mean, obviously, like I said, people did care about this. People read, people signed yeah. up, people commented. And I do that. You know, I, I kind of like the stuff about the little stuff that adds up and that separates good organizations from bad ones. So I will keep an eye on it. Well, it is like, it is like, a, um, uh, like a personality trait of mine that I care much more about the bottom of the roster players than the top of the roster players. So it is something that's that's like designed to get my um, agita up. Yeah, but, like, like on Friday, you know, a YouTube commenter wanted Zach to get upset about anything, and you just came in with the two-hill, <laughs> uh, you know, the two-hill rant the next week. Uh, right. we, we really have a blend of uh But I really do think it is, I really do think it is um, like – a symptom of this this problem that they have that they don't recognize that they are they're not accepting that this is a bad team like it's they they have consistently made the short-term decision over the long-term decision like with Peters at left tackle um and like it's I like I am very interested to see what happens when Alshon Jeffrey is healthy is he going to be taking Travis Fulgham steps and that that can be our transition into the Squall 22 because I think that's one of the most interesting things to ask you, Shiel. Like, do you think that Travis Fulgham is for real? And like, if if Alshon's taking his snaps, I think that's nuts. Well, I, I read your uh, day after piece, and it was a, it was a sort of the research that I was planning on doing, and it was nice because you did it for me. Just no subs on that bad boy, though. So let's not let's not take well, all the whips. Learn a lesson, all right? So I want a uh, Monday morning if they lose to the Ravens. Why? Releasing Casey Tuhill <laughs> right, cost exactly. the Eagles a chance at an upset. I mean, this is the the people are talking to you. Don't ignore them. See what's right in front of your face. Uh, so you did the research on Fulgham, and you guys talked about it in the post-game pod, and I think that type of thing is always useful. You know, how uh, how rare is it for a guy his age to have a game like that? You know, because it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to play in an NFL game and have 152 yeah. yards. Like, that's a really hard thing to do. So uh, how often is it something, especially, I mean, and that's a good defense too, you know. It's not like they were playing the Jets yeah. or something. Uh, so how fluky is that? And, you know, the names on that list suggest that, uh, you know, certainly there could be exceptions, but the majority of people who are able to do that at least have some baseline. I mean, we're not talking about is he going to be a, a perennial pro bowler? Like if he's a starting caliber, one of your top three receivers, uh, that's a home run. I mean, that is such right. a huge thing, especially when you look at 2021 and beyond. There's going to be no Deshaun. There's going to be no Alshon. Maybe there's no uh, Arthega Whiteside. Who knows about Quez Watkins? Uh, you really, you know, Hightower. Really, you have Rager, and then you have to figure everything else out. So uh, I think that this game is really sort of clarified a topic that we've discussed over and over again, uh, but really it's shown through here. And that's that, like, we can talk about all these different wide receiver traits, um, jump ball ability, separation, speed, hands. Like, the number one trait to be successful in this offense as currently constructed is, does the quarterback trust you? Yes. And is he willing to give you shots? 
because man, you watch this game and certainly there are some plays where uh, Fulgham is getting open and I, I think he has a nice feel against zone coverage. I thought he did a good job. He has good instincts, but there are plays in this game where like I have not seen Wentz give receivers this type of shot. Uh, I can't even remember when. Like it might be Alshon during the Super Bowl year, to be quite honest. I mean, uh, the play that I tweeted out that I mm-hmm. thought was the most impressive, it's two-man coverage. So it's man coverage, and then there's two deep safeties. And uh, I think uh, Fulgham was lined up in the slot. I mean, no separation. He's basically just running down the middle of the field in between the two safeties as fast as he can. And uh, the slot corner is really just running step for step with him. Like, that's a throw that I feel like all season I would look at that and I would say, all right, there's nowhere to go. Wentz is not going to get rid of the ball. Is it a sack? Is it a fumble? Does he run around? Uh, Does he throw it away? All those different types of options. Like, the option we have not seen him uh, use (laughs) is to throw that ball. And he threw it. And he threw. I think it might have been his best throw of the year. Unbelievable throw. Like, there was all, it was the only place it could go. It was third and 12, a 31 yard completion. And so that was just like an eye opener. And then there's an out route on the right side. I think it was like a 13 yard gain. I mean, or it was on the left side. I think he high pointed it. You know, that one again, it's the same thing. And you can look at the numbers on this stuff. Like there was a, a, you know, sport radar has the separation numbers. And like a lot of these catches, he's got like under a yard and a half of separation, uh, you know, and that's with the chips in their uh, shoulder pads. And Wentz was just, there were plays, like I, I'm sure we'll talk about Zach Ertz, but there were plays where like, I was like, oh, Zach Ertz is kind of open there. There was the one great play where Wentz uh, avoided pressure, rolled to his left and found Fulgham. Like Ertz is right next to Fulgham, basically. They're both open and he's going Fulgham. And so uh, I don't know what happened in practice. I don't know when this trust was built. Uh, I know we've written, you guys have written about Fulgham. I feel like that's even a another angle if he keeps playing this well like was there a practice was there uh, something else where Wentz just said like I believe in this guy was it throughout the course of that game did he throw it really felt it it felt uh, I don't mean to cut you off yeah it it seemed like there was a point in that game like after his second catch or something where he was like you know what I'm gonna ride with this guy and you're and you said like the numbers bear it out like the next gen stats Wentz's uh you know percentage of tight window throws was higher in this game than it's been in a very long time yeah, he was he was looking at him all the time, all game long. And so um, in terms of Fulgham's skill set, I mean, it's tough. Like I said, he's not running past people a lot. He's not uh, like consistently separating. I think he's got a nice feel against zone. He, he has good hands. He can high point the ball. The quarterback trusts him. So all those things are good traits. Uh, you know, I almost wondered if he might transition, like if we look at the future is he like a good slot guy maybe mm-hmm. you know just work in the middle of the field uh type thing but he certainly had uh opportunities on the outside so that that was my and, take on full game. and, and, and now shield to your point about out, sorry sorry very quickly as, as other people have pointed out um like he was running a variety of routes from a variety of different spots on the field everywhere so, everywhere so the idea that like you know uh, you know jj ortega whiteside needs to learn one position first let's throw that out right away go ahead Zach. I was going to say to Shields' point about this in practice. Now, it's not one specific practice, but Jalen Mills said that he was literally sitting on the sideline during Fulgham's first week in camp uh, with Slay. And and at the time, Mills didn't know who, who Fulgham was, didn't know that Slay played with him in Detroit, and Fulgham was wearing number six at the time, okay? And Mills was, was like, who is this dude? Uh Every time he catches it, he's off the ground, whether it's digs, out routes, go balls. He was jumping it and catching it at the highest point. 
that's hard to cover as a guy in the secondary, a guy who's high-pointing the ball. You see a lot of times with receivers, out routes and go balls, they're catching them in the pocket. But when you got a guy jumping up to catch the ball, that's another element you have to cover. That's a yeah, that's a great quote. That's absolutely right. And but but like what really surprised me is that Wentz's ball placement on those throws was like perfect. I mean, yeah. it really was like they had played together for a decade. It was like Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson or something. I mean, I don't want to get carried away. I'm not saying he's Jordy Nelson, but that type of chemistry for a new guy. I mean, every new guy that comes in, it's like a disaster. I mean, they right. think they can't get together. There's confusion. This was like when Wentz and Ertz were at their best. That's really. Um, what this uh, what this looked like so uh, very encouraging and I think there are, uh, what what you said Bo about where he lined up and also Wentz's trust in him those are two very strong indicators that this guy's like really smart and on top of every you know assignments I actually think there was one bust he had in the uh, red zone where I think they were trying to throw a screen to him and it was a bust and Wentz just uh, scrambled up the middle but other than that I mean they wouldn't ask him to do these things if they didn't feel like he could handle it and Wentz wouldn't be throwing it to him this off if he didn't uh, if he didn't trust him so uh, it's such a it's such a strange development it's what you were alluding to with two hill that man sometimes just give the young guys a shot see what happens if it's if it's not working for the vets uh, look ahead because that is really what this roster needs is an influx of young inexpensive talent to be uh, starting caliber competent players and if there's a high ceiling well you know that that obviously is much better should he have I- caught that third down pass before the field goal I didn't think so. I thought that was good coverage. Did he have a chance at that? Yeah, I think they batted away, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very good. De- I thought it was a good defensive play. Okay. Uh, I don't remember. Sometimes those are easier to see, like the close-ups on TV on film. It just looked like everything's covered. Wentz has given him a shot, and the uh, defensive player made a good play. Now there were two uh, other opportunities, though. Um, that this guy could have had legitimately a 200-yard game. Uh, one of them was the play right before half where uh, they go to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on the right side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch on the left side, and the Steelers totally screwed it up like the Eagles did all game, and they just turned him loose, and he's running down the left sideline. Now, I'm, I'm not saying like Wentz should have gone there or anything, but like if Wentz looks at Ortega-Whiteside and thinks, all right, that's not there, and comes back to the left side, I think that's probably a touchdown. And well, that's so silly because the Ortega Whiteside throw had no chance. Even like he completed it, and he couldn't get like, out of bounds. Yeah, yeah like the, the, yeah. that shouldn't have been the primary. Yeah, I don't know. But and, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, there was no upside to that uh, route and that completion. But yeah, um, and then the other one was he ran a he ran a stutter go. You know, he was running all these sort of more intermediate routes when he was lined up outside. Easily and, the best, easily the best playground play. Uh, no, I, I, I would argue the out and up is better. The out and up? Mm. Uh, the out and up was uh, uncoverable. I mean, when you're getting a 6-7 Mississippi, you got the time for that every single time. You mm, give the I'm, pump. I prefer the pump and go. If you pump on the stutter, oh, you're, you're giving the long. you're giving the pump on the out. You're giving the pump on the out, no, and then know, they're gone. I know. I'm, just, I'm just saying. Okay. I mean, two, 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 the two uh, staples, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, it, but. Really, really. You know, I, I like really you should be running the – those, I would run those routes like once a series if I were an NFL uh, <laughs> offensive coordinator. I mean, really, why are you not running those more? But So he had the stutter go was on the that missed field goal drive first down. And, man, uh, the guy really bit. I forget who the corner was. I, I want to mm, say I it was this. Nelson on the left side. And uh, 
it was Matt Pryor and I guess Driscoll. I thought it was more Pryor. And so Wentz kind of has to you know, move his, move to the left. And it looked like he was loading up to let it go. And he, uh, and he got sacked there. He might have had a chance. I, I mean, Wentz might have had a chance to turn that loose uh, like a like a half a second earlier, maybe, and uh, that ends up being a 50-plus yard touchdown. I gotta say, overall, watching this game, and I think this was your guys' pretty much your take after the game. Uh, I feel like it was easily the most encouraging performance uh, mm-hmm. of the season when you look Definitely. at how Wentz played, how the offense played. I mean, I feel like I've just been coming on here crushing them for uh, five straight weeks. That that was a game where finally it was like, all right, Wentz is doing some things. He, you know, he, he's not uh, trying to play mistake free on every down. He's, he's throwing it deep. I mean, there was that early play. Hightower has no shot. They just chuck it deep down the right sideline. Every game. I want to see that every game on mm-hmm. the first first or second possession. Yeah, I totally agree. Um even the even like the even the misses on the Fulgham profile are, you know, guys like Mario Manningham. Like what a, a great player. outcome yeah. that would be. Yeah, absolutely. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. Direct TV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, okay. Uh, the second, I think, the other question for, you know, do you think a guy is for real? What was your take on the left tackle, Jordan Mailata, his second game? Uh, I thought it was good again. I mean, he. I think we knew going into this game, like he wasn't going to give up no sacks and no quarterback hits. So you had to uh, have a certain uh, level of expectation. But I don't know. I'm just treating my Lada like he's a rookie, okay? He's a rookie, and this is his first action. I know that's not technically the case, but when you think of how little football he's played. And so if a rookie were playing like this, that's sort of the scale. It's not the Jason Peters And Peter he's younger scale. than Dillard was last year, so right. that is a fair way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, you know, if Lane Johnson had that game, then I wouldn't be coming on here saying Lane Johnson played great. Uh, I would probably be saying I wouldn't be crushing him, though. I wouldn't be saying he was a huge liability and he cost them the game. And so uh, there was the first third down. He gives up pressure. Um, there was another time where Wentz escaped the pocket. He gave up pressure. He got tossed on a split zone run, I noticed. Uh, there was the sack late when the game's really out of hand. But I thought overall he was fine. I mean, you're seeing a sort of baseline of competency here that is really impressive for a guy who has not played. And to me, it's like the most encouraging uh, thing with this football team right now is that you might have this left tackle who, you know, even if his floor is like average left tackle, that's a win. And that's great for what I just said, which is you need starting caliber players who don't cost a lot of money, um, who can give you some baseline of competence. For entirely selfish professional reasons, I'm hoping that he's in the in the mix here for a long time because he is like so much 
more enjoyable to cover than some of the other <laughs> offensive linemen. You know, like you ask him a question and he'll actually like think about it and answer it, right? And mm-hmm. exhibit some personality as as opposed to some of the other guys that they have. So uh, yeah, so he's he's enjoyable to cover. We, we've yeah. been spoiled with this offensive exactly. line group from a reporter perspective. I mean, I went to Seattle and, you know, I, I go in the locker room and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to find my Kelsey. I'm mm-hmm. going to find my Lane Johnson. These guys got never once talking to Russell Wilson, Brandon and Brooks, yeah. Richard yeah. Sherman. And, you know, I'm going to go up and buddy up to these guys. They're going to they're going to help me out with every story. I mean, you couldn't find five bigger duds. Uh, nothing. I mean, <laughs> wow. I, could, I, I couldn't. What make about it. your boy? Uh, who was my, oh no no he he came after he came okay, he okay. came second season yeah Fetty was good uh, Russell Okung was good but uh, the other guys I mean uh, they just had no interest in doing any of that stuff I, I do find I do find alignment to be like hit, like hit or miss yes and it's so. like the Eagles made it an initiative in recent years to find the misses <laughs> <laughs> wow jeez. <laughs> I don't mean Driscoll's not bad. He listens to the yeah, questions. yeah. No, Driscoll's good. It's it's more you know. And again, the the, the new guys, I I really don't don't know. But um, but they, so. but some of the guys they added like the previous two three years have been uh, have been pretty tough at times. But uh, I, I do agree. I mean, I, I I agree that like right now the biggest bright spot on the entire team for the entire season is that you may have found a left tackle in Mylotta. And then the other thing is this is a conversation we had at the end of last season, which was the energy, the juice, the enthusiasm of the young guys. Uh, I'll tell you a little thing I noticed about Mylotta. I don't Mm. don't know if you guys picked up on this. He is the only one who, if there is an offensive player on the ground after a play, I swear 90% of the time the guy who picks him up was Jordan Mylotta. It could have been a running back. It could have been another offensive lineman. Certainly Carson Wentz. I mean, really, the other offensive linemen, they're on to the next play. Like, Uh gosh, somebody, uh uh-oh, what? No, that's like an uh uh-oh. That's like if if you're you're, uh, watching a team and you're trying to read body language, that's like the number one thing that people will talk about, the offensive lineman not picking up the quarterback. Well, I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess they've got uh, – well, Kel- Kelsey's like, I'm moving on. I've been doing this for too long. Yeah. But my lot of every single time Wentz was down. I mean, look, keep an eye out for it uh, this Sunday. And if there's, a guy, if there's a defensive player close to him, he's like chucking that guy off. You know, he did that to Bud Dupree uh, one time. And so uh, that's – you know, that it's sort of weird. Like you really – I feel like Jeff Stoutland started with this guy, started from scratch, and was like, here are the things you need to do. I'm sure that was one of the things he told him. And uh, right. so you, you see that from him. And then just the young receivers we've talked about. I mean, Fulgham, uh, you know, throwing guys out of the back of the end zone. John Hightower starting a fight the first play of every game. <laughs> Love you it. know, it's like uh, you, you get some energy, some enthusiasm, some juice from what has been a lifeless team. So that that is definitely another benefit, especially these aren't first-round picks. Like these are guys fighting – for careers in the NFL. And so every snap uh, really means that much to them. And so that has been fun to watch also. Any other thoughts on the offense? Do you think they should have run the ball more? Or, or, or do you think just, just the way the, uh, the Steelers were bottling up Sanders and the fact that the passing game was working? Yeah, no, I'm on that side of it. I okay. thought the passing game was working well. The, I, the run game was not working great mm-hmm. except for the one that they uh, – that they broke there, and so uh, I, I was fine with the way they passed the ball. There was the, um, you know, he had a couple. It really was a game where it felt like if one of these near misses hit, 
they really would have had a great chance at an upset. I mean, he had that one deep ball to Hightower where he was getting hit. I don't know how he mm-hmm. overthrew him on that. Like, he was yeah, getting crushed. Yeah, that was crushed. a crazy throw. Um, and I, I loved Hightower's effort to lay out uh, on that ball, but he just couldn't get to it. And then he had the great play, which was just sort of vintage Wentz, where he uh, escaped to his left. And that looked like a great pass in the end zone to Hightower. Where he I don't should know have if caught he, it, for sure. Yeah, he should have caught that. I mean, that would that was the play right before halftime, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean the series. Yeah, so they, they now I Doug like, said he would not have landed in bounds. Do you buy that? I don't buy that. Uh, I didn't look at it that closely, but I don't know. That seems like a bold statement, <laughs> like without knowing. Yeah, it's not well because I mean he tried to catch the ball and the DB did not push him out of bounds. So, like if his feet, you could just see what would have ha- like what happened. Did his feet land in bounds? Like yeah, I, think, I would have to look. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he did. Okay, but. Um, so there was that. I'm trying to look if there's anything else. I think those were uh, those were most of my notes there on the uh, on the offense. Okay. Uh, then let's turn the attention to the defense, which has you know had a lot of attention, especially for that third down play call. What were your uh, takeaways from a performance that was, I'd say, mostly Garbanzo beans? The one thing I missed was Zach Ertz, and uh, you know what? I'm doing a mailbag. Um, for tomorrow on the athletic philadelphia so you can mm. subscribe by the athletic.com slash birds with friends and so i will just offer my take on earth's uh there because I i'm glad of, you're doing that i dug into the numbers and uh I, I feel like i'm a little bit on an island compared to what i think the consensus is but uh really i could, I, I could be wrong i think so what do you, well so, what do you think the consensus is uh, I don't know what the consensus is. I know what uh, I think. Okay. I feel like the more popular opinion is that he, he might be kind of cooked right now. Oh, and you don't think that's the case? I mean, I think okay. I think any, anything is possible, but I'm I am not uh, I don't feel strongly that that's the case right now. Okay. All right. Well, we'll read more about it on the athletic. There you go. Uh, so that play, uh, Coach Flynn did a great job of helping me uh, understand that play because that was also asked about. Uh, in the mailbag. And so you guys talked about it at length. Uh, you were peppering Jim Schwartz about it this week. And so I will give my take on, on uh, you know, what happened there. Uh, quarters coverage, which you mentioned. So quarters coverage is a, a four deep zone, three underneath, but it's like, uh, you know, match principles. And so when you look at offensive wide receivers from the sideline to the, um, you know, left tackle, you number them like one is the guy furthest to the outside, then two, then three. And so uh, in quarters coverage, the number one receiver, the guy way out wide is if he goes vertical, that corner has to stick with him. So even if like that guy, you know, runs a post or something, you know, that we've seen teams get burned on this, but like you're supposed to kind of stick with him. And so you do have responsibility for an individual receiver. And it's the same thing, those two deep safeties for the uh, number two receivers to each side. And so you looked at it was Epson McLeod there. They each had the number two. And so what happens as coach Flynn explained to me is that when you have quarters against an empty set, like the Eagles did there, that that linebacker is going to have responsibilities for a vertical route to the number three receiver. And so, you know, if it was a three by one set or something like that, it would be different. But here you've got five receivers to account for. And so that linebacker is going to get matched up with that, uh, that inside that number three receiver. And of course that was Nate Gary with Chase Claypool. So I don't, I had no issue with them calling quarters coverage out of the huddle in that spot, you know, third and long, I think that was perfectly fine. But then when you line up 
and you see what you've got there. And it wasn't like it happened really quickly. You know, Roethlisberger is literally telling Claypool what to do yeah. and where to run on that play. Uh, my first thought was if Malcolm Jenkins was on the field there, he's checking out of that coverage uh, immediately. And and they're playing either uh, man coverage or uh, I think Coach Flint said cover two would have been, you know, definitely been better there. But uh, a lot of, t- you know, most of the game when they were seeing empty, they were playing man coverage. And so, you know, is that going to be definitely a home run where your Claypool's not going to score? No. But let's say you're playing uh, cover one. And so you have a, a safety in the middle of the field. So when you're in quarters, it's split safety. So the middle of the field is open and that's where you throw the ball. And so if you're cover one, the middle of the field is closed. And so it would be uh, a different route, certainly for uh, Claypool, or he would read it differently and you would have man coverage. And so uh, it would be another defensive back. And so maybe they still score a touchdown, but maybe they don't. I mean, you like your shot, you like your chances a lot better if it's a safety or even one of your smaller corners on him than you do when it's Nate Gary and there's, you know, whatever, seven yards of separation. So uh, that was the one thing I did not hear Jim Schwartz address was, you know, was there a chance, should or could a player there like Rodney McLeod have seen that and checked out of the coverage and, you know, gone to something else there? And I also didn't like their explanation for not calling timeout. I mean, you know, all right, that's on Doug Peterson. Like, what, did you guys just meet like five minutes earlier? Is no one communicating? You know, you certainly, I feel like, could start yelling or there's got to be some protocol, right, when you're on defense and you need to call a timeout. It's a big spot. It's third down. It's a field goal game. There's minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, That's the time to use your timeout. That's that's why you're saving your timeouts for. It's a high-leverage play like that. So to me... Either you got to call timeout, and if that was the move, it's a failure on the coaches, or someone on the field has to have the responsibility to check out of that coverage uh, because you know, all right, if they go empty, we can't stay in this. We got to check to something else, and that didn't happen. So to me, it feels like one of those places is where the blame should go. Now, what, what one thing I don't know is like when I was watching that uh, that Bengals game and watching the sideline for most of the game, like you know, Doug and Schwartz are not like watching the game together. So I don't even know, like it's possible Doug was off to the side thinking or working on what the offensive play calls were going to be if they got the ball back. So like, you know, were they within shouting distance? Can Schwartz, uh, you know, ask for a timeout there? I'm sure that he can, but I think you're right. Like that, that is probably what, what should have been the answer. This is their fifth year together. If they don't have a totally, If they don't have a protocol for shoot, we're, we're going to about to get crushed here and lose this game. We need to stop the play then like that, that's a shame on them. So I got to, you know, I understand what Schwartz is saying. It it isn't his job to call a timeout, but there has to be something in place where, you know, if it's, if it's panic time, uh, well, what was the quarterback yelling yesterday? Mayday, mayday, make it, (laughs) make it something like that. We're call timeout, stop this and let's get to something else. I, I just thought like Schwartz's answer when he said it was the right call for what they had on the field. And then and and they they changed their call. Well, that's like like that's football, that's football right? Right, you know? especially against Ro- a guy like Roethlisberger. Exactly. So so what you, what you plan to do doesn't matter. What what happens is is what you did and and, and the outcome, right? Hundred um, percent. Yeah. So that that part of the answer that that didn't add up to me, and I I, I thought that was weak. You know, if what Doug said that's Roethlisberger making a play, I I. Uh, I don't totally 
buy that as like a complete rationalization, but that is what happened. That was part of it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I thought Schwartz saying it was the right call for what they had out there, which is why Ben changed it. Like that, I just thought that was weak. Imagine if that was a that was an excuse or reasoning that passed in football. Like you know, <laughs> Wentz throws in an anything. interception. Well, you know, they lined up in uh, in cover one, and so I threw it, and it was intercepted. But that was because they switched to cover two, <laughs> and so the play we had. I mean, that that is literally like the definition of of like what you have to do in football is adjust to what the other team's doing. They're not like they're not whispering to you. Here's what we're gonna do before every play. That's the whole point. That's why you're getting a paycheck is to be able to adjust in those uh, situations. So, yeah, that, that is a very silly excuse. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, any other Squall 22 thoughts? Uh, all the numbers, you know, it felt like it at the time with Roethlisberger getting rid of the ball quickly, and all the numbers backed that up. I mean, it was really a hard game for the defensive line to get to him uh, at all. So, you know, I know the numbers aren't there with sacks and hits and that kind of thing. I, I thought the defensive line played okay. They were fine. I mean, the ball was just coming out. I think his average pass went like five, 5.9 yards past the line of scrimmage, which other than Alex Smith, no player had a uh, lower average this week. And so that was really their game plan and it has been their game plan is to get the ball out quickly. Um, Eagles, you know, I know Schwartz was asked about sort of the uh, rub routes and the pick routes. It, it was really a lot of the bunch formations uh, that gave them trouble all game long. And it seems like it's been a recurring theme now for like three or four uh, years. And when you're playing man coverage against a good team, you're going to see those every single week. Um, Jalen Mills, uh, I did not think played well in this game. I mean, I don't know what their plan is for him in terms of keeping him at corner. Uh, obviously, if Slay is out, then uh, I would assume you're doing that, but uh, he didn't play well. And the Steelers, this is something we discussed about Slay before the season. You know, Slay has played really well for sure uh, through five games, but like this was kind of just a reminder that it's not, he's not taking like a side of the field away. You know, this isn't Stefan Gilmore. Like they were going at him uh, a pair of pass interference penalties. I think he gave up a third and long. Uh, and so there was a, another third down conversion late in the game where it was just Claypool versus Claypool. Slay one-on-one and it's Claypool and it's, you know, Claypool is good. Claypool is not like, uh, you know, Julio Jones or Amari Cooper. And so teams are not going to be afraid to, um, to test him. And then it goes to the, uh, the thing of the overall defense, you know, Slay has played as well as you can, could have expected. And you have a mediocre defense. That's very similar statistically, probably to what you had last year. Yeah, I think that's right. Zach, how are you? I'm doing great. I've, I'm really enjoying this podcast. Okay. <laughs> what else would you like to talk about? <laughs> I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot we can discuss. I I still have have writing tonight. Um, mm. I'm I'm curious what what you guys think about this. Okay, and and don't roll your eyes at, at this being like a, a talk radio topic. Oh, uh, I'm excited. Okay. Uh, say Le'Veon Bell is really like the price doesn't matter because he's he's getting paid by the Jets. Anything he gets is offset against that. No one's giving him like a big multi-year deal. So he's just taking a deal to finish this season, okay? Would you be interested? No, no. I would not. For what reasons? And I agree with you two guys too, but, but for, for what well, reasons? Well, the main one is that <laughs> uh, I have a running back who I want to yep, feed. Exactly. And 
carry the load. And I know Le'Veon Bell is a running back who, wherever he goes, is going to want the ball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I am not going to take Adam Case's side on any argument, but, uh, you know, certainly – uh, he had a way, Bell had a way of expressing himself and was not shy about whatever he liked on Twitter or retweeting things about how he should be more involved <laughs> in the passing game. And I just don't see like the upside. Like, could he go to a, te- a contending team and be effective? Yes, but like he hasn't shown that in the opportunities he's gotten. Uh, it hasn't been great situations. Their blocking's been terrible. Their play caller sucks. Their head coach sucks. And so he would have a better opportunity elsewhere, but uh, that would kind of be, you know, it's sort of, I, I guess it goes back to the move about the discussion about, you know, on the margins and getting younger. Like I would much rather take a shot on a uh, younger running back who's maybe buried on a depth chart or, um, you know, take someone from someone else's practice squad. And uh, I, I would be fine with churning out Corey Clement and trying somebody else out, but he is not the guy I would be targeting. Yeah, I agree. I think he's probably cooked and, you know, by all accounts, not a guy you really want around if he's not the bell cow. So, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Bill, go on. No, no, I think that's right. Although I do find it, um, you know, the, the lack of Boston Scott and the offense, mm-hmm. not that like Boston Scott should be getting the ball, but I do find it curious after the way last season ended. And I know that, that, you know, a lot is because they just wanted to make it Miles Sanders' offense, but I do think they could use a, uh, a second running back that they do trust. Well said there, and, and and that gets to my point. I agree with what with what you guys said because I think that that Miles Sanders is is their best twenty five and under player. He's their best. He's their most dynamic offensive skill player, and uh, it, like the, I wouldn't do anything that that would kind of compromise his his role on the team. Um, but I do think that the Eagles need to need to uh, be more effective, be more efficient uh, in in throwing to their running backs. And I was looking up stats here because I'm, I'm doing a story on this. Well, that's like the, that's the guy who Wentz misses more than anybody. It's just like yes. bad throws to an open Miles Sanders. So, and, and, and that's a, a terrific segue here, um, or, or, or not segue, but a setup. So when the Eagles went 4-0 last December, so those last four games, Miles Sanders had, had 12.9% of the Eagles receiving targets, uh, but he caught 18 of 22 targets, for for 150 yards, Boston Scott had had 14 percent, or I'm sorry, 14.7 percent of the Eagles' targets caught 23 of 25 targets for 199 yards. So so right there between the two of them, there that there were only six incompletions on 47 passes. Okay, mm. uh, this year. Uh, Sanders has been targeted on on 12.2% of the team's pass targets, so not that much different than the last four games last year. Uh, but he caught he, he has caught only 11 of 23 targets this season. Wow, for, for 97 yards. And then Boston Scott has been targeted only six times this season. Okay, so that's 3.2% of the pass targets. He's caught five of the six targets for for 43 yards. Um, but, I'm surprised it's even that many. But they were the the uh, the way they used their running backs in the passing game was such a big part of the offense when they were effective last year. Were kind of that 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 patchwork group of wide receivers. They haven't been nearly as as good at that this year. Uh, I know Bo really did a good job, kind of harping on the screen game. 
Um, the Eagles rank 24th right now in the NFL this year in receiving yards in, in the underneath screens per sports radar. They were number three last season. Uh, but it's not just screen passes. Like, you you look at Sanders' his, his film last year, the way he was used on wheel routes, he had that big one against the Jets, that big one against the Vikings, and obviously the Eagles missed him in the Bengals game this year when he was open. But uh, they really need to find a way to get this, get, to get Sanders more effective in the passing game. Yeah, that was great, some great information. Yeah, yeah, great, great numbers. And so it's, check uh, that out on on the Athletic tomorrow. The theme of the story is should they be interested in in Le'Veon Bell? But it's it's much more than that. It's it's more big picture looking at their running backs. Yeah, I think this the the screen game being a disaster hurts. But you're right. There were whether it was uh, wheel routes or that. Um, that seam, you know, I forgot what team they hit that uh, against last year, but where he was running down the seam and they hit a big play mm-hmm. on that. I mean, he was he was creating explosive plays. Like, they were really creating a lot of explosive plays to the running backs. This year, it feels like there's a lot of uh, – they run that Texas route at least once once a game, which I do right. love that love that play and I love that route. But uh, I think Bo is right that Wentz has been uh, – has missed Sanders probably more than any other pass catcher. Okay. Who's the smallest person you've ever met? What's up, guys? <laughs> I'm I'm glad you came back to this conversation because since we talked about it, I've really been wondering why was Yao Ming at Jared Stidham's mm. wedding? So Bo and I debated this over text, actually. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> oh, it was at Jared Stidham's wedding? It was at Jared Stidham's wedding, the picture of Driscoll and Yao together. Is Stidham and- from Houston? Well, no, apparently Stidham's uh, now wife, I guess, her father is a higher up with the Rockets. Okay. Okay. Oh. All right, that's good intel. But, but what, an, what, a, I mean, what, a, what an invite that is. Yeah. Yeah. Since we, since we brought this up earlier, I'm like, wait a sec. Why was he there? And well, I was trying to do some connecting, and I couldn't figure it out. And maybe it's a, maybe like celebrity sightings at weddings in Houston are a thing because the only wedding I've ever been to in Houston had an appearance by Mike Jones singing uh, singing his song. Look at that flex. Who Mike Jones? Big flex. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was going to ask you who the biggest celebrity at your wedding was. Biggest celebrity at my wedding. Hmm. I think I have an answer for that. You do have one? Yeah. Oh, all right. Flex it out. It's got It's got to be a legendary uh, sports writer, I bet. It's I, probably Ivan Maisel. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. You know, I, I would say, I would argue your, you know, your dad was Yeah, a, yeah I, I I'd put him, uh, you know, above, but if you want to go Maisel over, you know. Well, people would expect, you know, <laughs> people expect a Steve Wolf, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, that's a good one. So Jared Stidham's father-in-law is Daryl Morey. Is that that's what you? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Hey, don't spread rumors here. Okay. What about you, Zach? Who was the biggest celebrity at your wedding? Most I mean, famous person. I mean, I I don't know if I, you know probably like uh, like Mike Garofolo if he counts as a yeah. Oh, that's does huge. he count? What do you mean yeah. if he? What counts? do you mean does he count? He's given um, your book a play. More, he's given more, your probably more Twitter followers than all of us combined. Yeah, he's given yeah, Mike and I are former colleagues together. Yeah, there you go. He gave you. He gave. Uh, he gave your Fulgham column a shout out on NFL Network. Yeah. 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 Mike's a good guy. Mike's a really good guy. Oh wait, did we find out if the um, if Kenny Albert pulled a tessitor on Zach or not? <laughs> mm. 
because he dropped the nugget right from your Fulgham story. No, from the Miles Sanders story. Well, well, he also Sanders talked about story. the Fulgham stuff, but but that but but that's been out there. The Miles Sanders one. He 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 mentioned that uh, Miles Sanders played there as a ten year old uh, during the halftime of of the Steelers game and. That's not something that Sanders discussed when when he met with the media, but he might have discussed it in a production meeting. So I'm I'm not going to take credit for that. But I I did bring it up to Miles last week when I spoke to him on the phone, and and uh, uh, that was a, a nugget that his that his mom had when Smoke she brought the first time. All right, so yeah. we're not you know not as blatant no. as just the total. Uh, ripoff of mine, but uh, but does okay. smell fishy. Something to keep an eye on. Okay. Speaking Sheila, of ripoffs of yours, this guest? is this is a big week for you, Sheil. Yeah, yeah, we haven't even talked about Capadia week. We'll get to that on Friday. Yes. Uh, wait till he you, has. Wait till he has all these nuggets about the Ravens, and it's yeah. How do you think Chris Collinsworth's ears are doing? You think he's recovered? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like what a what a what a thrill it must have been for uh, for Al Michaels to get to show his face on TV again. <laughs> <laughs> I was. On I, I should. I should share with our audience. I, I texted. I, I hope this. This doesn't go down a uh, rabbit hole. But I. Uh, I, I texted Bo and Shield earlier. That uh, like just imagine if, if Bo was covering the SEC right now. Hmm. When when like uh, you know two games have been postponed. I, the numbers for the Florida Gators are in the twenties. Nick what Saban. are you talking about? Yeah. I thought they're having ninety thousand fans in the stand. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought that's what Dan Mullins. Yeah, that was right? the plan. And, and, oh, okay. Yeah. That that didn't. Seem I can't off. even. Yeah, I can't even engage with it because it's just. It's. I mean, it's so self-evidently uh, evil. So, are you going to send? Are you going to? Are you going to send Saban a gift? A gift basket, Zach? <laughs> like well, a little, I mean, a I get well. I feel know, badly for I feel crackers. badly for anyone who who gets afflicted with it. You know, like this is there's yeah. So that I um I certainly feel feel badly for for Nick Saban. And I will say when I was watching that Alabama game, you think Saban Bill's going to call him? What's that? You think he gets a call from Bill? Uh, from Bill Belichick? Yeah, I, I didn't know you guys were on first name basis. Well, you, uh, I mean, that's <laughs> you know that's your that's your your nighttime viewing is Bill and Nick. So did you see? Um, there was. A story on ESPN.com, a good piece by Jeff Legwald, Shields' former colleague. On um, great guy, yeah, you know, we on... rip everybody in the industry. <laughs> the, that guy's like one of the most genuinely nice people uh, I've met. So on, anyway, it, it was on Belichick's time as an assistant in uh, Denver, and he shared an office with this uh, with this other coach, and the coach was talking about how how small the office was, and he said you 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 can't fit Bill's like six Lombardis in there, and. Uh, I guess Jeff Legwald called up Belichick and brought up the quote. <laughs> you know what Belichick's answer was? Belichick's answer was it's it was Who's actually been wrong eight. more than Charlie Casserly. No, it was it was actually eight because I want to with the Giants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Big flex. Yeah, that's a flex. Um, but uh, he's probably calling up Saban and telling him to stop being so mean to his good friend, the president. <laughs> All right, I'm staying away from that one. But no, I I I, I will say that that like the NFL. I mean, you've been critical of, of of the NFL. The NFL has adjusted games, um, you know, because you know, and 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 they've they've actually in, in intensified their protocols this this week. I, I do think the NFL is 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 taking this seriously and doing a good job. Whereas, um, I'm not so sure I agree with the okay. doing a good job part, but. but or or taking this seriously, I should say, like like the NFL's. Um, 
I, Except for I, hashtag Marissa's Titans. Taylor Lewan basically calling out Marissa after the game. That's yeah, yeah, those are players there. But I think the NFL has has like um they're they're trying to do this safely and I and, and you see some of these college games, it's like twenty guys aren't playing, you know. I've yeah, never they're not getting a, paid and they don't have a choice. So. I've never heard a sentence start with uh I don't want to go down a rabbit hole that I was sure that I was sure 100 <laughs> percent was about to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Marissa, do you have any more fodder that you'd like to give the Titans to so that they can you know go 16 and 0? Uh, that game was really upsetting last night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we can all say it. My um, eight and a half is in serious jeopardy. But uh, yeah, I mean, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. But. Not looking too good for me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I like I Arthur guess... Smith, by the way. He's he deserves more hype or, or more attention. Like he's a, he's. A, I'll tell you what. A... I like the name Arthur. Arthur on the short list. He's oh a... really? Yeah. Now, now would you go? You know what? I had a name for you that I forgot. I my, Seven. my wife. My wife and I heard a name, and we're like, oh, that's a great name. And then she's like, you should tell Bo. Mm. I was like, well, he's already got the bracket. You know, I don't want to upset <laughs> the bracket. Will you share the Shoot. bracket once the baby comes? Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't mind sharing the bracket. No, I, I thought you couldn't do that because, you oh, know. Oh, yeah, future. A, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, the brackets change over time. And, and, of course, it's, you know, what happens is what happens in every NCAA tournament where uh, <laughs> sometimes the committee decides that, uh, you know, a matchup is too good, and so they just send one of the teams to a different region. Um, and, you know, eventually there are, like, you know, six teams in the Final Four. So, Right. And some years, some teams are doing, you know, trending and more popular, and you really like that team. And Right. Know. Well, yeah, but you don't, but that, you, you don't want to be with the trend. You know, you don't want right. to have right. the popular name. Yeah. Right. Tough decision. Hmm. Tough calls. <laughs> I would say we're down to we are we are down to th- probably three on both sides. Oh, that's as much as I can say. Okay, you guys, yeah, you guys got any any advice for going from one to two? Uh, no. I mean, uh, really, what advice am I qualified to well, give? I mean, you've got two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's about all you can say about it. <laughs> Your wife's a okay. hero. That's that's my only advice, right? My but. wife can't remember the <laughs> name. All right. Well, it'll come back to us. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, send me a text. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. We will be back live on YouTube, our live YouTube show, 1130-ish, on our Birds with Friends channel. Make sure you subscribe there, and uh, you'll be alerted when we go live and the other good thing about that is then even if you miss the live you can just go straight to the youtube channel whenever it is in the afternoon that you're free and you can you can watch the video there and uh that'll do it for this episode of birds with friends for zach marissa and Sheil, i'm Bo. make sure you subscribe and download delete all that good stuff on apple podcast subscribe to the athletic at theathletic.com slash birds with friends and as always we love you